This is Live Well Talk on Breast Cancer Screening. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Union Point Health, St. Luke's Hospital. October is uh, the first month to have uh, full fall weather, but it's also Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And returning the podcast today is Therese Michaels, uh, Manager of St. Luke's Breast and Bone Health, to share with listeners on breast cancer screening and recommendations and anything else that may come back. Come up. Welcome back. Yeah, thank you. We'll start with what what is a mammogram? Mammogram, it's it's just a basic um, four image view x-ray of your breast and it prevents, you know, to find screening in breast cancer. It's probably the most effective way to find breast cancer. Um, and it's a 15 minute quick exam. And is it painful? It, it does use compression. So, so it's it, at it, minimum uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, yes, yeah. but okay. usually not painful. Okay. Um, and what age should women start to request that they, what, what age should their family physician or their gynecologist obstetrician say, you need to get a breast mammogram? Well, it's definitely up to the provider because they know their patient's history best. But, you know, our guidelines through our department are 35 through 40, get your baseline, 40 and above every year. Now, if you have family history, it's dependent on what first degree relative has it and how far back were they diagnosed. So you could start possibly as young as 30 getting screening mams. And yearly exams, self-exams, what, what age do they tell? Puberty? Is that when they tell women to do those or for breast health exams yes um usually it is kind of right after puberty on up they um we do have and you can even search it online there's ways to do a self-exam at home Um, a lot of patients that we have found to come in our office have found lumps like that so we do encourage a self-exam at home monthly you know one of the myths that i think we should talk about is the woman that has some sort of mild trauma to the breast Mm -hmm. and then feels a lump and associated with the trauma when actuality was just the coincidental, they just found it right. a- after they had the injury. I've heard that multiple times from patients. Right. Uh, and so that's, that's always been uh, interesting. Yes. You know, I think cancer care in general uh, has changed in the fact that it's always perplexed me how in the 1950s and 60s and before that, like people were like, like, you don't want to mention you have cancer, like it was some sort of uh, you know, stigmata of uh, evilness or something that, you know, where they would just almost be in denial. And now we have, you know, pink ribbons and pink shoes and NFL has pink uniforms and et cetera. Uh, have you seen that change in your career where people are more open to getting these exams and talking about uh, this disease? Absolutely. Um, I can even use myself as an example. Um, my gen- or my generation, they talk more about it. You know, the generations before, such as my mom and her mother, did not talk about those things. You know, for instance, I, I had actually had a mom that was diagnosed at 42, and she did not tell us. Um, she just kept it quiet. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first thing that came to her mind was, well, I'm protecting you. I'm not telling you that way because we were in college at that time. So she didn't want it to hurt our studies. Um, that probably did not, you know, for most people, and it didn't go well with us. Right. And we did right. find out because, you know, she only lived two years. So we didn't find out until later. Um, a lot of moms, and rightfully so, think they're protecting their kids when in actuality, 
they have to know this kind of information because it does affect them and their screenings down the road. And it also can affect on whether they should get genetic testing with that too as well. Absolutely. So I, I really highly advise, I know there's that sense of protection out there, but I would really highly advise for mothers and grandmothers to be honest with their families because that kind of genetic testing down the road when it comes more available will be good for them to know. I, I think that's so true. And I've even had not necessarily breast cancer, but with uh, elderly patients that had perhaps symptoms consistent with colon cancer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they say, well, I don't, I've lived a full life. I don't want to work up. But you're like, well, you know, we, we probably should do it for your family so right. you can tell them. And, you know, they're hundred percent of the time. They're like, oh, okay. I hadn't thought of it that way. Okay. That's fine. Right. Um, um, the, the other thing that I think that's unique about breast cancer among of all it is it really affects everyone because everyone has a mom mm-hmm. uh, and that, that it just does. So it touches everyone. I think everyone knows someone that has breast cancer. Right. I mean, I, I think that's one thing. I mean, not everyone knows someone that has prostate cancer or lung cancer, but everyone knows someone that has breast cancer. Right. And so it's and it is more transparent uh, and which is something um, that is important. Just with whether it's mental health or breast cancer, I think we're becoming a better society as far as talking about these issues and uh, treating them as just a medical condition that needs to be treated and studied and and supported. I agree. I've said on other podcasts, and I say this to in private as well as public, that you know I'm really concerned about the influence the pandemic had on chronic medical conditions. The National uh, Health Service in Great Britain has a study, and I, I'm not where they calculate the number of cancers that were missed uh, based on their 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 uh, demographics and their population, uh, which it, they have a unique system because they're all one essentially medical record, the mm-hmm. whole country. So it's easy to study that. But but in your experience, did a lot of people miss their mammogram appointments during the pandemic? Oh, for sure. And part of that is partly due to the departments and uh, the guidelines from ACR um, asking us to shut down. So we actually had to shut down screening for about almost two months. So when you shut down a screening center, you know, what happens, and especially women that are busy, because most of them are working moms and are working women, is that you get out of that routine. You get out of that yearly routine to come and do your physical, to come and do your screenings. And and then you're just, the life goes on and oh, I'll get to it. The famous, I'll get to it because I do that myself. And so, yes, we did see, I think it was around a 40% decline, which is quite staggering. So the studies have are still going on with that, with the effect of what the pandemic has done. But they are predicting that it's going to be pretty high as far as cancers being found in later stages, because, you know, your best bet is to find them small because treatments are more big and a wide variety of where you can get better treated if it's found small. But people that are putting those off those are being going to be found in later stages. So the studies are still going on with that, but they, they anecdotally, I was speaking to one of the surgeons in town about that. We were talking about that hospital volume and how busy it was. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, part of it is certainly the influence of the COVID is pretty small. It's all these chronic medical conditions that are decompensated. And I attributed that to the shutdown and people Mm -hmm. suspended healthcare for 18 months. And and he, he responded, he goes, you know, now that you mention it, just the other day, I was kind of thinking to myself, 
that he was seeing cancers more advanced than he had previously. Right. And, and, you know, at first he was like coincidental, then he kind of reflected upon it. And I think there's a lot of surgeons out there and physicians that are, are seeing that in their patient population uh, where just people didn't get health care for 18 months. And if we could go back and do it again, you know, I get that question right. a lot. I, I wouldn't shut down health care. I agree. I wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, I might if you were at high risk or in a vulnerable population may have made special arrangements to see you, but I would have just kept business as usual and everything else. Yeah. yeah and I think there's a lot of people that feel that way. Yeah. Those things don't stop. No, pandemic. no they and don't. I think we were under the influence that this was, you know, yeah, I agree. Go Hindsight is always twenty twenty when you don't know what's what's going to shake out with it. But yeah, I would yeah. agree. And it was our first pandemic, so we do get That's a little kind of true. You know? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'd, I'd like to think the last, but that's probably not the case. Yeah. One other clarification that I don't understand personally is how does MRI imaging play into the whole mammogram process? Uh, you know, I hear this the breast MRI, et cetera. Can you tell me about that? Breast MRI is an additional screening that is kind of added on top. So you of start the with the mammogram man. and then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because mammogram is basically the gold standard. I, I do get questions a lot about that from women. You know, should I start with breast ultrasound? Should I start with breast MRI? Um, but screening mam detects the majority of things that can be found um, in the breast. Breast MRI is more used for, say, you have a higher breast density, and that's in about 40% of women, which is genetic. Another myth with that is, you know, my size of breast. Well, they're small, so I don't have dense tissue. That's not necessarily true. It's it's based on genetics. It doesn't matter size. But when you get into the MRI, it's the high risk patients that have like a high risk, high family risk of breast cancer. They have high de breast density. So it's used as an additional tool to mammography that kind of is a little more... Um, a higher effect in finding those cancers that are hard to find when you have those added to yourself. And is it, is it like a standard MRI that does that or is it a special MRI that uh, it's, it's got a special, well, it's got a special, I don't know what they call those, um, little brace that, you know, you lay on the table and it, your breast goes to, through this okay. tube. All right. Yeah. So yeah. it is, it is, it not is your kind standard of a special, MRI. it's 30 minutes. It doesn't take very long. Um, and it's pretty easy to do. Cool. I, I've always wondered about that. So I'm, yeah. I'm glad you're able to answer that yeah. for me. How can listeners get a mammogram? Uh, we do have three convenient locations in town, which makes it great because we kind of cover each area of Cedar Rapids. So we have Southwest Side, where Westdale, right by Menards, Marion location, and then we have PCI downtown. So they're all convenient. We do have walk-ins from nine to three, as long as you have a screening order. Um, and there's every Monday we do a later night at the PCI location. So we try to make it as convenient as we can. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. I remember when my mom passed away, you know, it was early in my practice, and we opened up to get caught up in clinic. I opened up appointments till 10 p.m. for mm -hmm. a week. And we kept doing it once a week because it was people were so grateful to have that opportunity yeah. for that convenience. So that's a big deal. Yeah, it, it is. It really is. It is. So. Well, Therese, thanks again for joining me today. Once again, this is Therese Michaels, manager of St. Luke's Breast and Bone Health. To schedule your mammogram, talk to your provider or call 319 369 7216. Breast and Bone also offers walk-in mammograms at three convenient locations, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. with a doctor's order. 
And to my friends that are listening from LaSalle and Jeff, they'll say the West Side's the best side. But <laughs> I, I, being a Northeast Side kid, I disagree with that. But uh, finally, if you've been diagnosed with breast cancer or any type of cancer, the NASA Community Cancer Center is here for you. For more information about its extensive offerings, including genetic counseling and services for cancers, call 319-558-4876 or visit communitycancercenter.org. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk on if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.